This episode of The Boat Geeks is sponsored by The Boater's Guide, a free app for Pacific Northwest boaters. The Boater's Guide is adventure and information right at your fingertips, right when you need it. Find your happy place with The Boater's Guide, a free download on your phone or tablet in the App Store and Google Play. Episode 3 with Jesse Weigel, race boss R2AK at the Maritime Center. Race to Alaska. It is a race to Alaska. You know, with um, the recent guests we've had with these races, sailboat races and, and boat races, um, I find it very, because because again, my draw to boating has always been kind of that exploration and the unknown. Yeah. And, um, these racing people are very inspirational to me <laughs> because I don't think, I don't see myself ever m- maybe participating in any of these races, um, but I love spectating and I love to hear the stories from these people and, and what motivates them to do it. And uh, yeah, it's just such an amazing crowd. And Jesse had a, um, obviously had a great background with boating himself, the tall ships. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he has to have one of the most interesting jobs absolutely. out there. Race boss, cruise boss. Yep. I mean, yeah. And the whole vetting process of every year, it's like, okay, all these people want to do the race and, some of them aren't going to make it, you know, make the cut. Make it to the race. Yeah, yeah make it yeah, even yeah, to yeah. the race. <laughs> yes, of course. There's uh, the danger of not making it, period. So yeah. that's always ever present. But uh, they they do take great pains to make sure that uh, everybody is safe. Absolutely. On the race. Absolutely. They are a great organization, uh, both the Maritime Center and the Race to Alaska. So be sure to check out this episode and uh, check out the website afterwards. There's a lot of cool information and video and pictures and everything about the race to Alaska and what Jesse does for the Maritime Center. This is episode three with Jesse Weagle, race boss, race to Alaska. All right, we are the Boat Geeks. I am your host, Darren. And I'm your other host, Darren. And we are very excited today. We have a special guest, Jesse Weagle, race boss for Race to Alaska with the Northwest Maritime Center. Jesse, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much. It's really good to be here on a foggy day in Port Ludlow. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, it's beautiful. Any day at the marina is a beautiful day for uh, Darren and I, for sure. Um so I said you're the race boss to for Race to Alaska, but you do some other things at the Northwest Maritime Center. Yeah, I sure do. All of us at the Northwest Maritime Center wear lots of hats. Mm-hmm. Most of mine say boss on them somehow. <laughs> uh, so I'm the race boss for Race to Alaska. I am also the race boss for 7048, which is our paddling event. And I am the cruise boss for uh, Salish 100, which is our week-long summer, uh, summer camp for adults, I kind of think of it. But it's a, a big, slow-speed sailing cruise. Awesome. And sometimes they call me in to, to drive our uh, to drive our ferry <laughs> that we recently. Bought. Oh yeah, yeah. Admiral I've Jack seen it out is, there. Uh, yeah. is our program boat. Sometimes I get to go remember how to drive a boat. Excellent. Well, we as the boat geeks, uh, we love boats, but we love to find out from our guests. How do you love boats? Uh, how did you uh, get introduced to the sailing lifestyle or boats? Um, we heard you have an interesting story. So yeah, uh, I have a little kind of non sequitur story maybe i i was living in bellingham doing nothing with myself and uh sitting at a bar one day and this guy wanted to throw darts with me Mm. skip ahead skip ahead skip ahead he hired me to go work up at the uh at north cascades institute which is a educational institute up in the mountains has nothing to do with water i'll get there uh i had no credentials i hadn't gone to college nothing this guy just wanted to hire me for some reason and up there i wound up working with a graduate student named megan who later on became the educational director for Sound Experience that runs the schooner Adventurous. Adventurous. Wow. Uh, skip ahead, skip ahead. I wound up living in Port Townsend. Adventurous is based out of Port Townsend. Mm-hmm. I wound up working on Adventurous. I started there as a as an intern, knowing nothing, couldn't tie a bowling. <laughs> and after the first summer, I could sail better with my, than my brother, at least, who was liveaboard. <laughs> no one ever taught him how, so... I wound up uh, really falling in love with that community and sailing schooners, which wow. I then wound up doing for a bunch of years. I moved up from 
being just a, a little piddly intern to being a deckhand to being the relief cook to being the relief engineer, uh, getting getting my own license and moving up into the, the the mate role. And and throughout that time, I was off working on other boats on the East Coast, the West Coast, Pride of Baltimore too, and the oh, Picton indeed. Castle out of Lindenburg. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> all sorts of things. And uh, yeah, and I, I kind of did that for about 10 years and uh, as much as we all love sleeping on a boat bunk, I also <laughs> uh, daydreamed a lot about having my own bed at some point, sure. or maybe having a garden. Yeah. So, landlubber moved ashore <laughs> just before COVID uh, into Maryland, yeah. where I worked as the uh, fleet captain for the Chesapeake Bay Maritime Museum. Oh wow! Before that's a cool place. before COVID shut us down. It's a great museum, mm-hmm. really great museum. And uh, COVID shut us down, laid me off, and I wound up back in Port Townsend where it just so happens that my very first captain on Adventurous, Daniel Evans, the race boss for Race to Alaska, we now call him the race boss emeritus, offered me a job <laughs> as the race marshal, and then he jumped ship, and I got a battlefield promotion. He wanted to be a high school teacher. I guess he did. He wanted to spend time with his daughter, yeah, and that was a pretty yeah. good way to go. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is a very unique and, and uh, awesome story for being introduced to the sailing lifestyle. Did you, at any point during this process... Um, recognize that okay, boats are going to be a big part of my future. Did it, did it feel like you you found something you loved, um, yeah. or was it just you were along for the ride and that's where it took you? Well, I think what I found in sailing was kind of twofold. One was one was the the boats. Obviously, I think if you're if you're boat geeks and you love sailing, mm. and if your listeners are boat geeks and they love sailing, you know that feeling of a sheet in one hand and a tiller in the other hand, yeah. and you become some kind of conduit for universal energy. Mm-hmm. I love and that. so when I nice started feeling that, especially when I'm at the helm of a big schooner, I mean, <laughs> it's just a yeah. kind of a bigger magnitude there. I power. don't know the feeling, but it's, I can imagine. It's the same feeling. It's yeah. just, uh, it's just quite a bit more. Exponentially. Uh, actually, you know, <laughs> in, in some ways it's more, in some ways it's less because it's, uh, yeah, but the tactile response sailing. of a big wheel on yeah. a tall ship isn't the same isn't as quite a tiller the same on as a, a tiller laser. Sheet. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, when you're working with main sheets that take, nine people to Mm -hmm. haul in but uh then the other thing that i realized later on and this might actually sound uh really uh some people might hate me for saying something like this but i actually started to realize that the boats didn't matter quite as much to me the boats themselves sure it was all of these people that i was working with the community of adventurous and the community of people that seemed to gather around boats uh that's really what i realized that i was drawn to yes and uh, that's why sense. it was okay for me to step off the water as much as I have now, because uh, at the Maritime Center, I get to surround myself with incredible people every day and still occasionally get to go sailing. We feel very much the same way. The boating community, especially, like, I really only am familiar with the boating community in the Port Townsend area, the greater Port Townsend area. Um, and people are just awesome. They're happy and love boats. And it's just a, a great feeling being around that community. Yes. Um, and, and, and obviously Port Townsend in particular. Um, the Race to Alaska. All right. This is a project of the Northwest Maritime Center. Uh, you can find out more about it at r2ak.com. Um, it is a 750 mile cold water race. Brr, that's cold water. No motor, no support. All the way to Alaska from Port Townsend, Washington. Can I just add in there? No motor means you can't even have it on your boat. <laughs> right. That's an important piece <laughs> yeah. to understand. Like as a backup or yeah. yes, yeah. as support. Um, and uh, it's been featured in Sail Magazine, Sailing World, Yachting World, CNN, New York Times, uh, uh, heavy hitters, CTV in Canada. Yeah. Uh, all, all that good stuff. It is a big deal. Um, it's made uh, the media all over the country, all over the world. Um, and, uh, documentary documentary in 2020 that was at all kinds of film festivals. You can pick, uh, watch that on Apple TV, Amazon, and YouTube. I would totally recommend it. At least go watch the trailer, um, which I think will hook you into watching it anyway. Um, it's, uh, riveting the, the documentary itself. There was another documentary made before that. Um, it was a university funded documentary called Rite of Passage, a race to Alaska documentary. Uh, this followed one 
boat in particular, I think. I only watched the beginning of that. I only had time. Yeah, there's actually the the one Race to Alaska documentary that you first talked about that's on all the streaming platforms. Yes. That was produced by the Race to Alaska film boss, who was the guy in charge of our media production for the first six, seven years of the race, six years of the race. Uh, and a side project of his was to create the full documentary. That's Zach Carver, mm-hmm. uh, wow, really wonderful filmmaker. Well done. Uh, the other ones, though, that's that's all endeavors of the teams themselves, and they yeah. seem to come out every year. In fact, yeah, right. just uh, maybe a month ago, a team from last year called Dog Smile Adventures mm-hmm. put out a documentary called Success, which is oh, great wow. because they didn't make it, and they still <laughs> found, found it to success. be a success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I, there is a lot of just... Um, uh, amazing content out there created uh, by the teams themselves and the official content. Um, I would recommend for any of our viewers to go check it out. It really immerses you in the, the drama and the excitement of the event. And I think, yeah, so of that, a lot of people are still unfamiliar with the race around certainly. the country, uh, even though it's, it's known internationally. Um, but to give folks just a real quick, description so you get an idea of what we're going to be talking about Mm -hmm. this i believe was uh written by jake Beatty, who is a fabulous writer has a great sense of humor uh and this will give you an idea of what we're talking about the race to alaska isn't for everyone it's like the iditarod on a boat with the chance of drowning being run down by a freighter or eaten by a grizzly bear. There are squalls, killer whales, tidal currents that run upwards of 20 miles an hour and some of the most beautiful scenery on earth. It is the hardest kind of simplicity. You, a boat, a starting gun, $10,000 if you finish first, a set of steak knives if you're second, cathartic elation if you can simply complete the course. R2AK is a self-supported race with no supply drops and no safety net. Any boat without an engine can enter. If this sounds like your brand of whiskey, R2AK Race to Alaska is for you. Wow. Okay, let's talk about this. Such a a perfect description and uh, I think encapsulates the potential for anything to happen which i hope we hear some interesting stories from you of things that have happened over the years <laughs> things happen yeah um another description from the documentary actually somebody one of the teams i believe uh described it as it's hours upon hours of boredom and beauty uh with moments of terror and horror uh, i i just find that hilarious i think that can be um applied to we were talking about yeah. that earlier to any sort of uh, cruising around the world, cruising yeah. or sailing. Uh, you know, as long as we're doing uh, quotes, I w- one quote that I've got uh, pinned to the wall in my office is from uh, a racer a couple years ago, Doug Smith, Team Dark Star. He uh, he said, "Racing to Alaska is the dumbest thing anybody could do. It's like bicycling through the Louvre." <laughs> 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 the quotes are That's great. Classic. Um, obviously, it's a very unique experience, and it takes a very unique type of person or team uh, to be able to do this. Yeah. Now, um, this started in 2015, the first race. Um, we heard there's a very interesting story to how the race came into being. Uh, there's like an urban myth yeah. that it was Jake Beatty, Daniel Evans, the original race boss, and a bar... And a napkin. I How mean, many great ideas start with a napkin? Uh, only the best. <laughs> Star only the best Wars ideas. and what, yeah. what is your recollection? <laughs> My of how recollection. It well, I wasn't there, so I can right. I yeah. could just make some you stuff hear up stories. right now. I mean, as race boss, <laughs> half of my job is just making stuff up. Sure, sure. But uh, yeah, the, the the story that I do here is yeah, Jake was uh, during one of the wooden boat festivals back in 2013, 14, somewhere in there, was sitting around with a bunch of old outward bound instructors. There's uh, a there's a nugget for the story yes. for all of you. Outward Bound Instructors, uh, if you don't know what Outward Bound is, look it up. It's an amazing organization. I worked for them as well. So it's very deep in the DNA of, uh, of Race to Alaska. Daniel and Jake were both sailing instructors for Outward Bound, uh, as was I. So uh, that organization really pushes resilience, self-reliance. Uh, and there just wasn't anything in our world here that really fit the bill for that type of experience uh, that that Jake saw, so he decided to create something. It's kind of a, <laughs> it's 
it's kind of the the next level after after Outward Bound almost, where you really do go out on your next own. Next two or three levels. Next okay. two or three levels. Yeah. <laughs> so where where else can you go out and really put yourself in that level of danger in an organized event? It's uh it's not very common in the world that you're even allowed to do something mm-hmm. that is risky. True, true. And we think that that that's part of the human experience. That if you if you want to do something that is kind of above and beyond for that reward at the other end, whether that's steak knives or pride in yourself. Just finishing, yeah. Yeah, then you should be able to do it. So that's yep. why Jake created it. Can you um, describe the actual course? And and There's a lot of water on it, first of all. <laughs> Good point. Cold water. Cold water, yeah. <laughs> so the course is in two sections. The first section is called The Proven Ground from Port Townsend to Victoria across the Strait of Juan de Fuca. And it's no joke. It is a big piece of water. If you've ever been on it, you know that sometimes you can luck out and it's flat glass, like it was last year. Actually, the Proving Ground really disappointed us, didn't do its job last year. But the previous year, it really pulled out the guns. Uh, so in 2022, we had this wind against tide event oh my gosh. that was massive. Uh, big, we got these square, massive tide tall rips. Waves, yeah. uh, right out by Point Wilson, we had our first capsize. Uh, with, I think, 23 minutes into the race, Katie wow. Stewart capsized her Angus Road cruiser, <laughs> and she was the first casualty of the race. Not casualty that she didn't make sure. it back, yep. but casualty that she didn't get to Finish. go on. Uh, so that proving ground is is a real deal. It's legit. And it's a filter. Yeah. It's, it's what we use while there is still a, a pretty hefty safety net of mm-hmm. uh, first response agencies and our own safety boats. Um, before we send them out into the wild unknown. So they have to make it across to Victoria within 36 hours without getting rescued or they're disqualified. <laughs> sure. And after a couple of days of licking their wounds and uh, putting stuff back together with Gorilla Glue, they set back out again after a Le Mans start and they go the rest of the 700 plus miles up to Ketchikan. And so along the way, they're encountering down in the southern end, they're still encountering a lot of vessel traffic. They're encountering... Mm-hmm. Uh, tide rips down here. They're encountering weather and getting up to Seymour Narrows, the most kind of famous spot on the course where, you know, several times a day that tide switch comes uh, and the current's running 14, 15 knots through there, creating these giant whirlpools. Our copy actually says 40-foot whirlpools. Mm. And when I was up there a couple years ago, I think it was more like 70 feet. I was shocked because it was the first time I'd personally seen it with my own eyes and uh, the center of some of those whirlpools is six feet down That's from the terrifying. rest of the surface of the water. There's a reason why it's recommended to only go through Seymour Narrows at slack tide. Yeah. There's yeah. a reason. Not to mention all the debris <laughs> from here to there. Absolutely. it It's a minefield out there. It, it takes boats out left and right, especially in 2022. There had been this massive 13-year uh, event where there hadn't been as high a tide in 13 years, oh. and it picked up every log All the during the inside wood. passage and shoved it out <laughs> in the middle of the race to Alaska race course wow. about two days before the race started. The tidal exchanges, I mean, they can be immense. Immense, yeah, 14 feet. Yeah, crazy. And, uh, so they're dealing with that all the way they, they go north, and once they get through Seymour Narrows, it's, it's not like it gets any easier. A, they're now in Johnstone Strait, which is which we should probably talk more about actually in (laughs) terms of what we're trying to scare people with. Mm -hmm. It is a heinous uh, strip of water that just seems to, seems to reach out and grab all the wind in the area and pull it in and just funnel it right down this long, narrow strait. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with Johnstone Strait, watch some of the videos, watch the documentary and some of the scenes with, with that nasty, Oh my gosh, the the water is a, just a cauldron. I mean, there was some helicopter footage. Oh sure, yeah. of boats uh, with just a storm jib and bare poles mm-hmm. just getting slammed. And I don't think a lot of people understand just how dangerous it can be on Johnstone Strait and being in a recreational vessel. Yeah, it's, no joke. It's not a joke. It's, it's really, really not. 
it's rough sailing and you're somewhat miserable, if not completely miserable, <laughs> right? Because you're freezing. Yeah. I mean, the the vessels are, and we can get into this as well. I hope we do come back to some of these things we've mentioned. Um, but the vessels, there's a huge variety. Sure. I mean, there's yeah. people Certainly. going out in basically like paddle boards yeah. almost all the way up to. Uh, not almost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to yeah. high tech sailing vessels. Absolutely. Um, and I would like to get into that uh, yeah. soon. But now the course, um, which uh, Darren brought up, has that course changed over the years? So this started in 2015. I think a very interesting note is that the fastest time was in 2016, which was just over three days and 20 hours um, by Team fast. Mad Dog Racing. And that has not been beaten yet. It's Oh, no, yeah. it has not. It, it, that, that one's standing up, and I'm, I'm curious to see who's going to try to take that down. Absolutely. That'd be quite an accomplishment because what a trip. But now I did read something about the course changing, maybe the outside of Vancouver Island. So uh, before COVID, there was an announcement made that the 2020 race was going to subtract Seymour Narrows as a required waypoint, which then made it possible for racers to take the outside of Vancouver Island. Mm. And of course, 2020 race didn't happen. Mm -hmm. 2021 race didn't happen. So in 2022 we i think we called it the the best bad idea three years running (laughs) and so we finally did get to run the that race with the outside route and three boats went out that way and uh then last year 2023 it was open again but none of the boats took that route Mm -hmm. because the the weather conditions Mm -hmm. weren't right for it and so then this year we said hey you know what we're going back classic so we put back the seymour narrows waypoint so that was uh, interesting. We like to experiment. We like to change things sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes just for the reason of making people grumpy. <laughs> you know, don't take this too seriously. Add it, yes. Well, so we talk about Johnstone Strait. And after that, though. Oh, after that, I mean, there's more. It stacks on, stacks ocean. on. So you've got, once you get through Johnstone Strait, uh, you're going by Port Hardy, Port McNeil, you're getting up to Cape Caution. And that is, that is an incredibly exposed cape. Where you gotta you gotta time it right. You've got the Skeena outflow just north of that. Everything's starting to happen up there. And then there's a there's there's island groups you you, you got to go through until you get to the second waypoint, Bella Bella. Um, and after that, you can pretty much launch out in the direction of Haida Gwaii if that's what you want to mm-hmm. do, or you can stay tight. You can uh, you can take all sorts of different routes up that way, and you can go back and watch the trackers, and you can see people trying every which way to fool the weather gods into letting them go the fastest. Sure. Uh, get up into into Hecate, and every step of the way, there's just a new weather element going. Something new to contend and with. And maybe that element is that it's a it's a calm. Last yeah. year, we right. had Team Super Nautiloid. They left Bella Bella Checkpoint, and they did not touch land again for five and a half days. Wow. And they sat out there somewhere reaching toward Haida Gwaii, and they were actually at some points going so slow that their the motion sensor on the on their tracker showed them going back. It was going them well. It, it, <laughs> they, it didn't sense enough motion for the thing to stay on. Yeah. So they kept <laughs> blinking out, and it was only when they started going a knot again yeah. that that we could see them. And they were just out there for days. So yeah. you're either encountering giant seas, yeah. or maybe you're encountering no seas. But um, it's wild. You're committed at that yeah. point. So you give every boat that uh, enters the race a uh, a spot, a tracker, yeah, a tracker. GPS tracker. Okay, and uh, then on the website, you post, and I think it goes out on social media all over the place as well. You can live track where yeah. everybody is, and it primarily maybe for friends and family. But as just an observer, I would imagine the website hits. Go through the roof oh, sure. when all those boats. I mean, are you might assume out. that it's just friends and family, but I think last year we had thirty-six thousand individual viewers of yeah. the tracker. <laughs> wow. So that's if that's just friends and family for thirty-one teams, these people have those huge are just popular people. <laughs> well, I, I read that the the reason to give them the trackers was um, for for you guys to track them, yeah. but also so their friends and yeah, family could, but it's then twofold. all the world wants to see where everybody is. Yeah. So, and it yeah, really is yeah. all the world. We, yeah. um, got to love analytics, right? You can, yeah. we, so we can go in and see where people are watching from. And, uh, obviously North America, the Pacific Northwest, Vancouver Island, Vancouver itself, you know, those are the main spots, but we also somehow 
we've reached into France. Mm. Oh, we've reached into Great Britain. Sailing crazy. Australia people. loves yeah. Race yeah. to Alaska. New Zealand, um, I would imagine. Probably. New Zealand, absolutely. Yeah. This year, uh, we have our first entry from Israel. <laughs> who, he's going to be coming out here. You'll be excited to see the um, the boat he's using. Oh yeah, that is. Uh, you might say is a questionable choice, <laughs> but we commend him for it. Uh, so yeah, people are watching from all over the place. So you mentioned, uh, his boat is a questionable (laughs) choice. You get a lot of entries from people that want to race, but, uh, there's an initial screening that happens. And if they don't have what it takes or their boat doesn't have, then they can't enter. So how do you guys deal with that? That's a really good question. Uh, so people can apply. And what that gets you is a it gets your application in front of the vetting team, top secret vetting team. They're uh, they're cloaked and they sit in a dark room <laughs> and they look at applications. And uh, so we ask uh, we ask you to submit adventure resumes. And what does that mean? What's an adventure resume? Basically, you're you're trying to convince us that you have what it takes to not get dead, mm-hmm. right? The right stuff. We, we want you to go have an extreme adventure. We want you to go push yourself, but we also don't want to be your don't first want any rodeo. Serious casualties. Like, yes, that's not what we're yeah. here for. And so we'll support you in your in your <laughs> in your dreams to do some crazy things. But we, you got to show us first that you have the experience to operate the vessel. You have the experience to encounter the conditions that you're going to encounter. Maybe you haven't encountered exactly these conditions, but we want to like be able to at least read between the lines yeah. to see like, okay, this person's got what it takes. And it's also really important that we see in there that these people can stop. Mm-hmm. Like if you are in Johnstone and there is a forecast that you've got, you know, <laughs> yeah. 30 knots coming at you for the next three days and you don't have what it takes, you got to be able to say, got to have the wisdom to know yeah. when to stop. And so when people put that in an application, it's actually, it's a really good, yeah. indication that they've got it and anecdotal evidence is is really strong so if you're out there listening to this just like gobbling up everything you can about race to alaska mm-hmm. and you are thinking about putting an application listen to me now we're serious yeah tell us the full story yeah. but also some of the vetting team wants it in bullet points so let me put it mm-hmm. out there don't don't write us these you know long prosaic uh <laughs> stories Essays. about how your yeah. grandfather taught you to sail on a lake we want to know the nuts and bolts of what you can do so there may or may not be specific um, <clears throat> qualifications and experience that you're looking at, but there's a there is a secret team that is uh, making these decisions, which is great because obviously everybody wants um, a fun race and 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 safety. Um, I would love to know some of the uh, boat ideas or or what's been put forward that you haven't accepted because you just felt like it wasn't safe I enough. Accepted. I mean, you're taking paddleboards, so like, what does it take for if the person has the uh, sailing experience or the gumption to do it, and you feel like they're gonna they're gonna make the right choices? Is there a vessel that would just make you say no? Well, it's really a combination. Uh, there are certainly vessels that we would say no to one person mm-hmm. and say yes to another. That makes sense. Yeah. So okay. last year, we had a racer apply. His name's Satchel Douglas. And Satchel, he raced Race to Alaska several years ago on a sailboat. And so, and he has a, a, a really good background. We trust him. Yeah. He's a known entity. Right. He has completed it. We know that he's laid eyes on the entire course. Right. And he was applying uh, for the Proving Ground last year on a uh, on a foiling wingboard. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And... Uh, which is like a dumb idea, Satchel. I, I don't know if you're listening, but like, what are you thinking? <laughs> but at first, the vetting team said, no, this yeah, is crazy. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but we worked with him. I talked with him a lot, and we had a lot of questions for him. How, how are you going to store your gear? Yeah. What are you going to do when there's no wind? And you got to, like, can you propel yourself? Right. Uh, so there is an element there where... We will work with people like yeah. I, I want everybody in the race. Yeah. Sure. So if there's if there is advice we can give or 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 questions that can be answered that will get someone to the starting line, we'll do it. And so Satchel got a yes eventually. Yeah. I told yeah. him he was off on the East Coast, and what he, what we hadn't seen out of him at that point, we'd seen the cold water, we'd seen him do pretty long trips, but nothing like super exposed. Mm-hmm. And he was out um, 
I think he was near Boston. So I called him up. I said, Satchel, I want you to go down to, to uh, I want you to go down to Rhode Island and put, put your little wing thing in the water uh, over by the Block Island Ferry. I want you to take a run out to Block Island and back. Mm-hmm. Just go, go hit that up. And he did. So I was like, all oh, right. All right. It's pretty good. Block yeah. Island's, you know, the Long Island Sound there's not a, no. not a joke either. So, yeah, right. um, so I'm, I and actually that's a part of my job I really love. I I get to be the the first point of contact for all the racers and meet these incredible people. So yeah. boats that don't get in, there was a boat in 2020 boat that was going to try to go in 22, I think, that was it it came to us in the application we got CAD drawings. Oh, for this <laughs> boat that had two holes, two sails, but they were stepped laterally one on each hull and it was going to be up on five foils oh, wow. which is a crazy idea mm-hmm. and it was twitchy it was it was unproven right. of course it wasn't there built right but the person who was going to captain it was well known to us and has proven that they have what it takes to to say no and actually it was proven out because when that boat finally got in the water the thing he, there was no steerage. Yeah. They couldn't get it up on steps. So it was like, so he said, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. I'm wondering, and I would imagine whether it's the, the vetting team or it's just the brain trust that, and we don't need to dwell on this, but the conversation that maybe you guys have had about what do we do if someone dies? Uh, which yeah. has not happened. It's not, it's happened. not happened. No. Yeah. We've, it's potential. We, I mean, we're not. Yeah, we're all sitting here knocking on wood. Uh, it's a dangerous race. Yes, there's very potential seriously. For that. Yes. And well, I mean, we, you can just fall off of a boat. Absolutely. At a pleasure craft in in Lake Union and drown. Sure. Or so you it, know, hyperthermia. That or sort anything. of thing yeah. happens. You know, like Mackinac race. Someone, yeah. Someone falls off the boat and mm-hmm. things happen. But you know, when you're when you're going up in places you're like that, there's also no uh, north of Campbell River and Seymour Narrows. You're your access to search and rescue drops off pretty considerably. Considerably, so we first stage we really try to message to people what this really is. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure you know exactly what you're getting into. You have what it takes. We require everyone to have an EPIRB on board as as well. You should. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have to let you know, like this is your choice. Right. This is absolutely your choice. Just like anything you do on your own vessel is your choice. Mm-hmm. This is your choice. Um, and then we have that spot tracker that we're always watching. Yeah. We do have media vessels out that are not that are not there for the purpose of safety, but we are at least up to Campbell River. We have we maintain some level of presence on the water, um, but it hasn't happened yet. And yeah. so, yeah, you're Thankfully. right. There are Thankfully. there are discussions that we've had around what that would be, and uh, you're right that maybe I won't talk more about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. How about a better? Well, one thing that I'm super interested in, I love the idea of all these uh, amazing sailors, adventurers, um, coming up with creative vessels or, or um, you know, just pushing the envelope, thinking outside the box. And uh, so, and, and technologies of great interest to me, sailing technology. Um, so how has technology impacted the race since beginning since 2015 Mm -hmm. and have you seen any trends with technology like are people catching on to you know this kind of boat material might be a little bit better or or whatever are are you seeing technology affect the race or come into play much interesting well because there's such a spread of vessel types like you mentioned can you give us a spread what what is what from what to what are you so typically the most impressive thing that anyone's ever done it on was a stand-up paddleboard yeah which so is insane that i don't has, even that has been done one time and actually last year we had another pretty great attempt at a stand-up paddleboard those people made it to bella Coola. deserve recognition yeah. because yeah. i can't even i don't i would never get to the place <laughs> yeah. no matter how much training to where i would feel comfortable doing that yeah. and from there um a fair number of people do it in kayaks mm-hmm uh, we last year had our first solo uh, rowers do it. Two two individuals finished in in single rowboats. We've had before that a bunch of a bunch a few double 
rowers. Mm -hmm. And then we have people in, you know, just small, what you might consider like weekender sailboats. Yeah. You get Ranger 20s, things like that. And then you start moving up the line to all the boats you might expect. Your, in a race. Your mid-sized cruising boats. Yeah. And then you're all the way up to stuff like... Uh, What's the biggest boat? Uh, the biggest... Oh, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull out exactly in length. But this last year, we had, of course, um, Team We Break for Whales aboard Grey Wolf, the well-known mm -hmm. Lyman Morse uh, cold-molded mold, cold monohull yeah. that sells here. And I think she's... Oh, someone out in Radio World is gonna be shouting the sure the the, the LOA of that forty or so. Yeah. We'll see it in our uh, comments. We also have like giant trimarans, like yeah. Dragon. Um, so it's it's you get, incredible. You get the Farriers yeah. and the Corsairs. Yeah, and, Corsairs. And, yeah, uh, a lot of those. Literally yeah. anything. I, that I will put a note in about Corsairs. You know, we had eight or nine Corsairs enter the race last year. Wow! And we had four of them finish. So at the Blazer Just party in September, I presented the Best Broken Corsair Award. <laughs> and I put a challenge out there to all the Corsair sailors and maybe even the manufacturers. Like, send us send us some more Corsairs that don't break, will you? Yeah. yeah. Right, right. That'd be great. We've already got uh, a couple of them entered for this coming year. Now, I remember a few years ago, and you know our, our memories with the, the pandemic make everything, uh, it was a few years ago, yeah. that... Um, Jake put out a challenge, I believe, to Larry Ellison, yeah. and he was bringing, was it an open 60? Yeah, well, that was the dare. Yeah. But race it, I mean, to Alaska is a dare. The boat but... was coming up to take part in the race, and what, it broke down off the coast of Oregon? Oh, well, that wasn't Larry Ellison. Oh. That okay. was another team, but they, yeah, the, the and again, this is this is a bit of my shortcoming as the as race boss uh 2.0 wow. mm -hmm. that i i don't have all of the first hand memory yeah. all the first well that things. we don't want to dwell on stuff that came before jesse <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, talk about like now in the, in the future but the larry ellison bit was uh race to alaska is a dare <laughs> it's a dare to everybody the, yeah. well there's all the side bets right there's so but people are really just oh it's wonderful yeah, yeah. i love the yeah. whole idea yeah. of that two side different bets. awards uh yeah. the duckwork supply is sponsoring the 20 and under award which is yeah that's great dollars and a and a tactical spork yeah <laughs> uh team oracle who is a who are a much beloved duo you got to spell oracle so o-a-r yes. oh yeah of course <laughs> yeah not it's that not, oracle yeah other oracle uh janice mason the, the creative Graham. names just mm -hmm. the names of some of the teams are yeah well they're putting up for the second year this year the oracle blister prize which is awarded a thousand dollars in canadian loonies <laughs> Uh, and that goes to the first human-powered <laughs> finisher wow. to catch a cannon. You know, it's a, it's. I think we measured it. It was about seventeen pounds of loonies. Oh wow! And so cool. uh, Ian and Janice hilarious. say that they're spending the, the year polishing each and every loony, <laughs> getting ready. That is so fun. So, so you, you were talking though about technology. Back to technology. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. Like, are people going carbon fiber? Or you know, like, how is it? Are you seeing any impact? Are you seeing trends? Or is everybody okay, so just the, still all over the place? Everybody's all over the place. Yeah. I think the place the nature where, where, the race. where people try to, where, where people invest most of the energy and technology is on their alternative propulsion. Their, the yeah. engineering of their The engineering of their propulsion. Yeah, and yeah. that is... Mounting a bicycle inside. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's crazy. I think we're at the point in the race, though, that until something new comes along... It's been kind of well decided that a pedal drive, I mean, you got that big muscle group in your legs. Yeah. You can pedal a lot longer than you can row, but we still okay. see people out there on uh, on some 30-foot monohull with a stand-up paddleboard yeah, paddle, the, which uh, maybe they just didn't look too closely into what they're going to need. Sure. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's how they put together these these pedal systems yeah. is interesting and we see a lot of that being repaired in victoria i bet mm -hmm. yeah uh, it really tickled me last year that we had uh i believe in 2014 or 2013 somewhere back in there bill hardesty won the rolex yachtsman of the year so he's a world-class yachtsman and he and his team team trace Eckes last year they purchased a corsair a brand new 880 rolled right off the production line and they sailed it to Victoria. And by the time they got to Victoria, 
their pedal drive had broken. They had delaminated a bulkhead. Oh, wow. They were and and further up the course, their uh, <laughs> their rudder cassette was breaking apart, and they put it back together with ratchet straps. And <laughs> finally, they they bowed out of the race somewhere north of Vancouver Island. But uh, it was fun to see world class racers down there to fix their bulkhead problem. They went down to a local hardware store and bought a bunch of metal rulers oh. and epoxied those because they didn't have any other things at oh their disposal. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, wow. so, technology. So, the, if yeah. the question is technology, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's MacGyver technology. It's yes. not, it's, there are teams who are trying to, it's not cutting edge technology. It's not cutting it's, edge, but it's, it's, yes, it's, improvisational it's know-how like these people that know how to use whatever is available to them probably have a significant advantage have you been contacted by any of the production builders of uh, trimarans or whatever and to say we're building a boat specifically to take on r2ak none of the big ones ones. we have some some small manufacturers who who want to um put uh smaller cruising dinghy type boats yeah. in the race but no one like uh benito's region out to us or anything have you have there been any unlikely that's no, so there let's see there's been started in 2015 so there's been what seven races since covid uh derailed a couple of them yeah it sounds right um have there been any unlikely winners like we never thought that you would finish let alone win because of the craft maybe winners i mean the winners are all pretty handy folks right you don't win by luck. on accident yeah. yeah you don't you don't win on accident yeah um well i think the surprise has kind of been jean gusev's teams twice she has won uh-huh. as captain uh that was team sail like, sail a, girl. like a girl and then this yes. last yeah. year came back on gray wolf we break for whales and both of those boats like a lot of people thought you're never going to have a monohull win this race, mm-hmm. but because because the conditions are what they are and the obstacles mm-hmm. are what they are, you never know. You, you never know. So it yeah. surprised a lot of people. But yeah. in yeah, and and so I'm, you know, the the person that was most surprising last year to me and caused a stir was Eric Pesty. Now Eric Pesty was on a Corsair by himself. Oh. And he came in. Oh God, I can't remember what place he came in, but that guy sailed finished. with. Oh boy, did he finish! Yeah, that's he cool. finished pretty early, and I mean, he was soloing. He was sleeping aboard in twenty minute stretches, in the middle of of populated areas in the wow. in the middle where there's land masses. Uh, but he was an incredible sailor, and he, if all the stars align correctly. I could see one day someone like Pesty blown by everybody else. I don't know. Yeah. I, I keep I keep the hope open at least. That now, is incredible. So we're talking about, you know, people winning the race. And and that's seriously not the goal of creating the race. Well, I read that like most right. of the interesting uh stories come not from the winners. Right. But the other boats that are out there that that uh yeah. Yeah, I mean the stories are are amazing. And yeah, if we talk about winning Sure. There's Ten, something $10,000 feels like winning. Sure. And steak d- knives just, feels like winning. Describe how the winner receives Sure, their, that's their cash. T- we uh <laughs> It's are, not nailed to a tree anymore, right? It's, not, that- it's nailed to a piece of firewood these days. Yes. Uh up at the Alaska Fish House, who yeah. are sponsors of ours. They're uh they're also Baranoff fishing excursions and the Alaska Fish House are are one organization and they they sponsor our finish line. That's where all the all the boats get to at the very end and then we throw the awards ceremony for the ten thousand dollars. We take a as big a nail as we can find and we bash it through a, a bunch of <laughs> a Benjamins of, yeah. and uh, nail it to a piece of wood. And it is apparently pretty difficult without cutting the head off the nail. It's it's difficult to get the nail out so without ruining an extra the money. Challenge to the so. that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so that's one way of winning. You can you can uh, be up and catch again trying to pry a nail out of a piece of wood. Or you can finish, or, uh, or you can not finish right. and still be a winner, like Team yeah, Dog Smile, who sure. named their movie Success, mm-hmm. or like Doug Smith on Dark Star. You know his story. I I just always love. He and his wife of thirty five years. They had spent their 
their relationship together sailing the inside passage together. Mm. Wow. And she passed away a few years ago. Mm. And Doug didn't know what to do with himself. Yeah. At least this is what he told me. Mm-hmm. And so he decided to build a boat. Uh, and he did. And he entered it and raced to Alaska. And he started sailing north. And he got up by Desolation Sound. And he just he just hung a right. And he just like Moitessier'd yeah. his way out of the race and into who knows what. But I really feel like like he won his race. Yeah. Because he accomplished whatever it was he was going out there to do. He did. He won in life. Yeah. yeah, Which is much more important. So yeah. Yeah. We had a couple of guys last year, uh, team Toy Box Express. Um then and those two guys, they had met the previous year, fallen in love, and they were celebrating their one year anniversary by racing (laughs) to Alaska. And they did not break up by the time they got to That's significant. Although we do have it, we do have it uh, in our minds that I think there are around five divorces due to race to Alaska. I think is well. I mean, that's a natural. With uh, I mean, that can happen. Just coming into dock at a marina on many levels. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, I think it's really the the impact of the experience on the participants can be life changing. And sometimes when you have a life changing experience. Some other parts of your life don't seem to make sense anymore. <laughs> and again, to bring that into uh, a reality, I would suggest uh, people watch any of the documentaries that are out there so you can see really how life-changing it is, um, how intense it is. Uh, I'm really interested in that last little run. When when they're coming to the finish line, um, have there been any memorable moments? Have there ever been anything that's considered neck? to neck like just coming in it to the to the to the uh finish line do you, do you is it or experiences that the winners have shared maybe um you know where they're with when it's all in sight and and finally it's over and and they realize they've won any experiences you can relay there the thing that pops into my mind again as a race boss who hasn't seen it all in 2022 there was there was a race at the end of the race between Team Elsewhere mm. and Team Fashionably Late mm. aboard. <laughs> Two my... perfect names for a final <laughs> right. race. And Fashionably Late um, were racing aboard my favorite boat name ever. Uh, on their, their dash is called Fighting Trousers. <laughs> Love it. So Elsewhere and Fighting Trousers, they got themselves into a battle. Elsewhere had gone. It was one of the three boats that was on the outside route. Oh. Uh, fashionably late was on the inside route and they joined up to where it was a race for the steak knives oh man and in the end elsewhere took it but there was some time there where they yeah. were they were trading tax uh so oh, those cool. things do happen you know sure. even in this even in a long race oh yeah after 750 miles I now it, it's billed as the longest race of its kind in north america are there any Around I mean, the we say world? that, but we might have made that up. But we think it's <laughs> well, true. We think, I think it's, it's true. Somebody there, needs to prove it otherwise. Are yeah. there any races elsewhere in the world that are even somewhat similar, or is this just totally unique? So uh, it was unique when we made it. I think it's still unique today. But the one race that comes to mind is the Morbihan Challenge in France, mm. was fans of the race to Alaska uh, put that together. And actually, uh, then some French folks came back from that to do our race wow so there's a bit of a connection there nice that's cool but these waters are more treacherous at least i'm gonna well i imagine i have no idea i don't either what i'm told is that they they stop every night and go to the pub so yeah well i mean i'd be treacherous too if anybody has you know sailed or cruised up to alaska you know it is like the what darren read earlier uh some of the most beautiful scenery you will ever see if you're into that type of scenery, which I was, it was absolutely uh, breathtaking. Um, I, I'm, you know, I wonder how much of that the, the the participants get to enjoy. I guess with each race, it depends. It could be beautiful weather, it could be uh, treacherous, yeah. um, but it really is amazing scenery up here in the Pacific Northwest, and such a great uh, place for a, a race of this kind. Um, I can't imagine. I wish I could say that someday I'd have. You know the 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 bravery or the stupidity or whatever it would be in in my uh, particular case to do a race like that, but I get to live vicariously through right. everybody doing the race. Um, what are opportunities for the community to either view the event? There's both the first stage; it starts off at 5 a.m. in Port Townsend, and then high noon. Uh, the second stage starts in Victoria. What are the opportunities for people to? 
be there and and see the starts of these uh, legs of the race? And then also, are there opportunities for the community to support the event, volunteer, anything like that? Absolutely. Thanks for giving me opp- opportunity to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so first, how can you view it? Obviously, we talked about there's the tracker. There is our whole media team trying to crank out as much coverage as as possible, which is difficult, by the way. So the tracker, uh, <laughs> just really quickly to interject, are they going to be able to go to r2ak.com? And... Yeah, there'll be links. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll make it clear, especially if you sign up on our newsletter at r2ak.com. You get all the instructions how to be a, how to be a good fan. Great. Um, but if you want to be there in person, there is a ton of opportunities there, too. And that really starts with the Race to Alaska ruckus. Mm-hmm. It's the day before the race starts, which, mind you all, if you are longtime fans, we are changing the weekday that this is happening on. So the okay. race has always started on a Monday, or at least in the last many races has been Monday mm-hmm. with the ruckus on Sunday. This year, we're moving it back. The ruckus will be on Saturday with the start on oh, Sunday. Okay. Uh, hoping that that'll be a little more accessible to more people. Sure. Um, so yeah, come to the ruckus. It's going to be at the campus of the Northwest Maritime Center on Saturday, the 8th. Check your calendars to make sure that I didn't say that wrong. The Uh, ever growing (laughs) campus of the the Maritime uh, Center. The 8th of Uh, June. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah. I just, I just take that for granted. The 8th 8th of some month out there. 8th of June, come down (laughs) to the Maritime Center. And while you're there, you can meet the racers. You can see their boats. Great. And we'll have, it's a party. You yeah. Know? There'll be a beer garden if you love a beer garden. That sounds like fun. And then the very next morning at 5 a.m., I know it's early, but we think it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so come down to the beach. Come down to the newly rebuilt Port Townsend South Jetty. Yes. Right. Which uh, looks great. If, if all plans go correctly, they're going to rebuild the walkway out onto there. So you can be one of the first to be out there on the jetty that morning and... Excellent. Watch the race start. It's yeah. a great time. It's it's in that twilight hour of the morning. You know, you're going to have, you know, 40-something boats out there, hopefully, just tacking around, waiting for that start. And then they're off. A lot of people will then uh, jump in their car and try to find some vantage point further up the, mm-hmm. further around oh, the coast. Yeah. You go, go out to, to North, North Beach and Port Townsend. <laughs> yep, of course. You can watch them. Or you can hop in your own boat and follow them along the way. You can then hop up. Get out, get yourself across to Victoria and mm-hmm. come on down to the Greater Victoria Harbor Authority Causeway docks yeah. and be there for the boats to come in. You can be with the race for the first, you know, four days of the thing. That's fun. Uh, we also, after they're in uh, on that, I guess, Monday afternoon at five o'clock is the cutoff for them to arrive. And then Monday evening, we are, we throw the, the second skippers uh, meeting another. and then uh, open to the public, just party. Yeah. Over at Swan Pub in Victoria. If you know Victoria, it's over by the Johnson Street Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just going to be a good old time. Uh, the next day on Tuesday from noon to 6 is an open boat where you can again go down, uh, see the racers, help them fix their broken boat. I mean, that sounds like support, actually. But if you're willing <laughs> to help any racer, then we won't call them out for it. Uh, and then, uh, and then yeah, on, on the 12th, the Wednesday, the 12th of June, at high noon is the, is the I second love that. start. High noon. High noon. Tea time at the Empress and also launch of the, the race. And, yeah. and Gary, this, Gary Cooper time. Yes, exactly. And and it. so this is a uh, the start of the second leg. Um, what did you call it? So it's basically like uh, everybody's sprinting uh, to their Le boat. Mans. The yes. Le Mans start. You got yes. to start on your feet, run down to your boat. I love that. But it doesn't stop there. I would invite people to come to Ketchikan. Okay. This is something sure. that... We've, we we have never put as much energy as perhaps we should have to try to get people yeah. understanding that come to Ketchikan. Yeah. Stand on the dock when that first team arrives. Mm-hmm. Stand on the dock when the 30th team arrives. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. get down there. Eat the amazing fish and chips at the Alaska oh, Fish I House. I can only imagine. And it's pretty easy to get to Ketchikan, especially yeah. if you live in the Pacific Northwest. A flight from SeaTac oh, yeah. up to Ketchikan, it's like a 90-minute flight. Flies five times a day. And again, so beautiful. If you haven't been up there, it is so worthwhile to see that part of the uh, the, the country. And um, yeah, it just adds, I would imagine the drama at the end of that race, just people, they made it. You oh, know, yeah. it's got to so, be electrifying. So that's uh, spectators yeah. watching the race, but mm-hmm. you volunteers. Also, you have an army. We have uh, a giant army of volunteers. Yeah. Yeah. Like Race to Alaska can't happen. 7048 can't happen. The Wooden Boat Festival can't happen. The Maritime Center can't happen 
without volunteers. So how do people get involved with you guys? Oh yeah, please do. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm drooling for, for the volunteers, not just because we need you, but because I love working with all the people who come out of the woodwork to support yeah. this thing. So there are a lot of ways you can get involved with race to Alaska and 7048, which I'll plug a little bit too, mm-hmm. uh, as, as support. So the ruckus, we need people on the ground to, uh, to, to station all the different things we do with the race to Alaska ruckus for 7048. Look that up at 7048.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need people at the start line. We need people at the finish line for a full, like, 36 hours. Uh, we need a lot of folks for that. There's also safety teams. Mm-hmm. Now, I I put together teams who are doing inspections. We inspect every boat just to make sure that they are carrying Coast Guard-required gear mm-hmm. to ensure that. So if you are think you have at least enough know-how or can at least get through the CFRs well enough to understand the basic requirements of a, of a broad range of vessel types, sure. then you can reach out. We also need people to help train racers on how to use their GPS devices. Uh, we're looking for people who have special talents in, um, in kind of event crisis management because we do stand up a war room, we call it, which mm-hmm. is our command center for the race start. Mm-hmm. I don't say crisis management, uh, to say that it's always a crisis, but sure. people who can be on my team as we're watching that race start and responding to any incidents. So yeah. people who can chart effectively, people who know how to use good uh, VHF radio etiquette. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the biggest thing that we could use if your listeners have big hearts and I'll say it, big wallets. Mm-hmm is not necessarily just monetary donations, but if you have a boat, if you have a vessel and you want to go be a part of Race to Alaska on the water, we're always looking for people who want to be part of our media team. Because the Maritime Center, as much as we are on the water all the time, we don't own the types of vessels that can go up the race course. And we also don't have the ability always to pay for that much gas, honestly. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. all of the footage that you've seen over the last, you know, eight years of race to Alaska, it's, it's largely on the back of volunteer vessels. So if you have something that can make pretty good speed, you know, let's, let's call it a seven knots or better, especially if you have our kind of speed. (laughs) Oh, I mean, we're sitting (laughs) on a boat right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially if you've got a dinghy, you can drop in to get low angle shots. Yep. Um, our whole game is that we put together a a media team and then we try to, we try to just get them to where the action is. It's a it's a fast paced, ever changing oh, uh, yeah. scene of, of how we make it happen. And then I'll also say if you have experience in videography, mm-hmm. in editing, uh, if you're a good interviewer, if you uh, are either professional or amateur at those levels, we might have a spot for you. We do have a paid media team for professionals. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for your next gig mm-hmm. and you feel like you understand the vibe of Race to Alaska, uh, we'll we'll be putting out a call for those positions. But Excellent. in addition to that, we have um, we have more, I wouldn't say, maybe intern or uh, kind of learning positions. There's there's a lot of ways to get involved, and to do that, you just go to race to Alaska, r2ak.com, yep, and uh, just navigate in one of our menus. You'll eventually come upon the volunteer Excellent. link, and uh, a lot of that's not live at the moment, right? Uh, but it, it will, will be. be very soon. Or I'll do it. I'm going to give them my email address. Do it. <laughs> You're if you're brave, brave enough, you're a brave it's going to come yes. in. That and my social security number. Uh, it's raceboss at r2ak.com. All right, if you want to get involved, just email me straight up. Um, raceboss at r2ak.com. Always looking for a few good people or like many good people. So, so that's spectators, that's volunteers. volunteers any, you've got your team. Mm-hmm. If you have a boat, you, you I need, love that need, idea. You need entries. Yeah. We we need entries. How is that going yeah, so far? Uh, we, we need entries. So we opened up applications November 15th, which was another small change of the race this year. We gave ourselves a little more time to get our ducks in a row before opening applications. Mm-hmm. At the moment, we have 12 applications, which may sound small, but at this point, that we're we're right on track start. for a good I assume race. it'll okay. snowball and and yeah. and more and more will come in. Um, before we wrap it up in, in regards to Race Alaska, do you want to tell us a little bit, just briefly, about uh, seventy forty eight and as well as the cruise that you were talking about, where you're yeah, the cruise sure. boss? Yeah, so seventy forty eight originally was billed as the spawn of Race to Alaska. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started in twenty eighteen, and it's a paddling race or a, 
I shouldn't just say paddling. It's a human-powered race. Mm -hmm. Muscles only. Mm -hmm. So no sailing. No sails. No engines. No support. And it goes from the Theophos Waterway in Tacoma to Port Townsend. That's 70 miles, 48 hours, 7048. Very clever name, I know. Yeah, uh, it is. And so we start that race at 7 p.m. Yeah, because we think it's funny. Yeah, and I love how that's the answer for <laughs> so many so things. The vibe. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's, is. it gets dark. It's, uh, just, yeah, they launch off and they hit Colvo's Passage, and it gets dark again. Something uh, I'm never going to participate in, probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, but it too. I mean, it is a real deal race. Yeah, and for sure. That one we have a, quite a few more entries because yeah. it is more accessible, mm-hmm. um, and there is just generally a larger pool of of human power uh boaters that's awesome uh, and and that one again it's it's also open to any type of human power so we have kayaks and uh outrigger canoes and we have this one guy who every year comes with this thing he calls the boogie barge which is a four-person pedal station two with two holes that uh he comes there's nice. uh people putting together all sorts of crazy boats I but bet. they've got those 48 hours to to get to the end and there's a lot to contend with in that one as well wow uh there's uh, there's a lot of currents running around oh, there, yeah, but there's sure. also a ton of vessel traffic. Ton of boats. Yep. You got to cross all of the vessel or all the ferry the lanes, ferries. The lanes over by. Yep. Once you get north of Colvos, you're starting to hit all sorts of lanes. You're crossing the mouth of Eagle Harbor. You're crossing the Kingston Ferry. You're getting up to Point No Point in Hansville, where things get a little rough. And also those cargo ship wakes can oh, crest at yeah. six feet over by there. <laughs> so You're doing a little so, surfing. Yeah, doing definitely doing some surfing, which is good for the surf skis and you know, bad no. for everybody else. And then there's the the cruise. The cruise. What is the, the cruise? Salish 100. Salish 100. Salish 100. Salish 100 is the event where I have to really turn down the volume on my... Uh, on my race bossery, where mm. my answer to everything is, figure it out yourself. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But... Uh, I, I've come really to love this event. Uh, yeah. For the first time, I was able to uh, be with the event the whole time this last year. And it is a moving community of like-minded people in boats 22 feet or less, mm. going from Olympia to Port Townsend uh, with with designated stops each night. But it's it's loose. It's not, you must do this. You have to leave at a certain time. Uh, there's a there's a loose confederacy of support boats who are there really to augment the good Samaritans on the water. They're not there with any specific mandate to be with everyone at the time, but sure. we're all within radio contact. There are phone lists distributed. So it's uh it's a front country event and are there any limitations on the vessels? It's just twenty two feet and under. Okay, but and powered as well? Doesn't matter. Yeah, powered. Yeah, yeah okay. you you'd be yeah. powered. In fact, we hope you're powered in yeah. some way. Yeah, yeah. So you can keep up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but we also had uh, someone do it on a stand-up paddleboard last year. Mm-hmm. Um, There's always got to be that person. Always got to be someone on a stand-up <laughs> paddleboard. And uh, we're hoping that she's going to bring a whole army more That's awesome. stand-up ah, paddleboarders yes. next year. Great. And it really is open to everybody. We make connections with people uh, up and down the Puget Sound, there are some people who live in Henderson Inlet, just east of Bud Inlet, Olympia, which is the first night stop. And there's no amenities there, so we've linked up with a bunch of people who live on shore. Water and they uh, yeah. they threw us uh, a seafood uh, again. Uh, the community, meal. the yeah. boating community, the boating community. They come together, yeah. and uh, we link up with the Gig Harbor Boat Shop in Gig Harbor. They throw a barbecue. That's great. Um, yeah, just lots of great connections, and I think. In the years to come, there's a lot of opportunity for expansion. Um, so, sounds like you have so a fun it. job. It's it's well, it's a lot of spreadsheets, not too shabby. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's also oh, every once in a while I get to go out on the water and I get to talk to some amazing people and connect. Uh, yeah, cool. That's awesome. Well, in closing, just so everybody has uh, the information uh, necessary if they're interested in any of these events. Now, these are all um, with the Northwest Maritime Center, correct? correct. All of them. Okay, yeah. so. For the Race to Alaska, applications did open November 15th, and they close, I love, just for fun, I'm assuming, tax day, April 15th. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Stage one begins on Sunday, June 9th at 5 a.m. in Port Townsend, Washington. Stage two begins on Wednesday, June 12th at high noon in Victoria, British Columbia. And I uh, strongly, we strongly encourage everybody to participate, if you can, be there um, and, and get some of that energy and excitement that the Race to Alaska uh, creates now the websites if you want to, more information r2ak.com 
as well as if you want to see that movie, totally recommend oh, it. Yeah. Darren and I both do. R2AKTheMovie.com. Um, you can watch a trailer there and get a bunch of info. And then also for the Maritime Center, it is nwmaritime.org, so northwestmaritime.org. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to plug or websites or email addresses, your your Social Security? Now's the time to drop it. I, I, I heard a rumor that you're going to be doing a podcast. Yes. Oh. Your own podcast. Was this a rumor I gave you like I half think so. an hour ago? Yeah, okay. we talked about it. That is true. Uh, now, you say this episode's going to be dropping sometime in the new year. Yes. yes. And I expect our first episode to come out sometime early in the new year as well, maybe before this or after. Nice. Uh, there is an existing Race to Alaska podcast that was done for a couple of years and it went dormant this year. We're going to be interviewing all the racers. Oh, that's So great. if you want to get to know the racers in their own voices with their own answers, uh, then tune in on all the places you might find a podcast, yeah. if I can figure out how to make that happen. Oh. so I think you will, and I think that those guests are going to be extremely interesting to oh, hear yes. from because it takes a very unique individual or team to do this race, and I would imagine they have uh, amazing personalities and stories. Their stories are incredible. I did my first interview yesterday, and I am fired up to talk to more of them. Awesome. So now uh, people can listen to this podcast by going to r2ak.com yep. eventually. Yep, and okay. follow us on the social medias, because every time we put an episode out, we'll we'll put it up there as well. Okay, which you can get those links on the website as well. Yeah, absolutely. But now in terms of the race itself and entries, I do have something to leave people with that Excellent. I think this is going to help. Okay. Do it for glory. Do it to escape creditors. Do it because you feel compelled to punish yourself. We don't care. We'll love you anyway. I love it. Perfect. All right, Jesse, All right. thank you. Thank you. Take a look around here Surrounded on a ship of fools Sail away the water set the taste and discover every ocean every sea forever and a day for you and me my hand just remember you don't have to surrender to the ocean and the sea there's forever and a day for you and me here's to the future i'm feeling stronger we do belong here look to the sky here's to the sooner sooner or later the ocean